I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined tonight by Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are we doing? Yeah, good. I, I, as people can probably already hear, I'm a little bit bunged up, um, full, of, full of flu and cold. Um, so, yeah, apart from that, all right. I think I've definitely hit a period in the season, or well, it's the new season now, isn't it? Definitely a period of the year where I just feel a bit stuck. Um and you, and you do have runs like this in golf, right? Like we've, yeah. we've had a really successful season, lots of winners and stuff. So it was inevitable that that can't continue forever. But like, it just feels like, even though like, it doesn't matter how happy I am with the process going into the week, like it just mm-hmm. it just feels like <laughs> I'm getting it wrong, which is is entirely frustrating. No, I can echo that. I mean, last week was one of those when it? it was like Henley looked so obvious on paper after the event. Um, and he, he did just run away with it. But, I mean, just to go before we go into that, yeah. Um, like, we did have players there. I mean, we had Hodges on the on the brink of it. Like, he was it's just the final round. They all just fell away. Hardy teased it for me. I had Hardy and Sig as well. They all were in position and then fell away. It was just a, it was just a shitty, shitty event in the end. It was like one of those where you could have come away of two places and sort of been like, oh, decent. But in the end, it was... Uh, just didn't go my way, and I'm yeah. sure it didn't go your way either. <laughs> no, I mean Damon was there, right, and and that was obviously great, but like it, it's just he it, it just never felt like winning, and you know nah. when, and that's great for Henley, right? Like I actually really like Russell Henley, and oh. feels like a nice win. For How him. many years is it since he's won now? I think it's like since yeah. 2017. I think it was he won this event, this Houston Open, back in whatever 2017 before the Masters, uh, maybe got in the Masters that way. Uh, yeah, that might have been the last time he won. Look, look. Um, but it, it's, he's the type of player that's been there for for years. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah, it was two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, look, he he should have won the Sony Open at the start of the year. That's you know, a given. Oh, right? I mean, look, he should have quite a few more titles. I mean, um, we've probably both been on him when he's fallen away. I'm sure. Yeah. Like when he looks like winning, and he finally found a a putter this week. Um, and look, he got it done. Fair play to him. I mean, when he bogeyed that par five, I think it was hole six, I was like, oh, here we go, you know. Yeah. And it made it, it was going to, I thought it was going to be a little bit more of an interesting affair, but then he recovered and uh, it ended up being a bit of a, a bit of a boring watch as such. Yeah, a bit of a washout, but like, I don't I don't mind that every now and then when like it is just a deserved winner. Like, he was just lights out, wasn't he, for the first three he rounds. He was, and, yeah. You know. No, fair play, he, he deserved it. He it deserved. It's weird because although it seems like a course that's tailor-made to him and we have all the Sony Open links and all the other stuff that he's got to play as well, um, he's never done that well there. He's had flash, he's had like spike rounds, but never finished that well there. Um, yeah. But I guess if you, you sort of read between the trees and stuff, um, you know, if he'd looked some tour tips and seen the spike rounds, you might have liked him. But even mm-hmm. the start of the season hasn't been that great. So it's just, um, you know, it just is what it is. I think, yeah. I think you get a bit of a period now where you don't know how people have responded to rest and how they're going to respond in the coming weeks. Like, I've had a couple of three weeks off, some have missed the Tour Championship, some are putting some work Mm. in and and trying new things and maybe need two or three weeks of competitive play to get it under and and some need a break. Like, it's as simple as that. Um, That's where it becomes tough, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, is it right to take this person now? Is he going to be, like bring on the form that he left off right, as he on his last event as such it's tough to know like um so it's, it makes it that little bit more of a challenge it does and i think like if, if if i was in a position that i feel at the moment in april or may time next year where i feel like i'm you know the process isn't working the the i can't read the form the way that i was before and stuff like that, i'd be worried but mm-hmm. i think at this part of the season and this part of the year you just kind of have to almost just to take what happens and happens. And that's not to yeah. not to excuse if anything goes wrong this week. Like, I, I still feel pretty confident in, in what I've done this You've week. You've got to feel confident. Um, absolutely. So, I still, I'm still very happy with my picks. I wouldn't shy away from them. Like, I've made mm-hmm. them. Otherwise, I would just say, I'm not going to make any. Like, I wouldn't make them just for the sake of it. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, 
absolutely happy to carry on with the picks and that sort of ties us in nicely to to going on to the Ned Bank and the Houston Open unless you've got anything else to, to mention? No, just um, it, I'm looking forward to it back being back in America after like, a couple of events of no shot tracker. Like, you yeah. don't know how much you miss that until it's uh, it's gone. So, and it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice course as well, that, that um, Memorial Park as well. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, uh, but two, two good events, really. Um, the Ned Bank Golf Challenge, which I'd been looking forward to for quite a number of months. And then it mm-hmm. just feels like either I sort of read too much with the three or four commitments and then that was it. Will Zanatoris was in this field and then pulled out. I just assumed there'd be a bit of a better field here. Um, mm-hmm. But when you look at it, pretty top heavy. Tommy Fleetwood, 10 to 1. Thomas Dietrich, 14 to 1. John Smith, 14 to 1. Ryan Fox, 20 to 1. Christian Bezuidenhout and Robert McIntyre, 20 to 1. Um, I, don't, I think it's a week where you can't get away from the top. No, you have to have one of them from the top, yeah. And the reason for that is that, one, it's it's an event that, you know, you just look at the winner's list and it's just littered with absolute class. Um, two, it's a limited field and the limited field events generally no, tend to no go. No cut. So yeah. No cut, everything, right? So everything kind of leads to taking one from the top. We, we've we taken two different ones, which is nice for, mm-hmm. for listeners. Um, so let's just quickly say... What, what was our opposition to, to Fleetwood, Ryan Fox and Bezuidenhout? I mean, Fleetwood to me just felt too short. Yeah, he is he's a little bit too short. But I mean, at the same time, I can understand why people would go on him. I mean, it's look, it's a perfect course for him. Um, but I still have my doubts about his game um, yeah. and whether he can win. And when you're taking the 10 to 1, you've got to really be sure you can get over the line. It's been a long time. Um, Bezuidenhout's just not playing well enough for me. Um, he could... He could come back, like coming back home and competing. And this obviously is one year before. This could be the perfect time for him to sort of find some form. So he might show up. But for me, you can't just make that blasé statement and just hope that he does do it off of that. 20 to 1, I'm not too sure. Um, Jordan Smith, I mean, could he? I mean, sure. Um, but not at 14 to 1 for me. No. Uh, that's, that's how I feel, really, because... I don't want to do John Smith at 14 to 1. Never did last week when it, or two weeks ago when it suits him anyway. But Fleetwood is, is it makes an obvious account the way he's improving, but still doesn't feel exactly there, like you said. Because how has won on this golf course, but in a different event, wasn't it? It was the South African Open it was, rather yeah. than the Ned Bank. And when you look at the one time he's been here, I think, or two times he's been here, it's just been like top 25 finishes in mm-hmm. limited fields. Yeah, one, 124 yeah. finish in, in his debut start, which obviously came. Probably... Yeah, he was probably playing a lot better back then as well, weren't he? Yeah, and I just, I just think everything I kind of read about this event is that you need, you know, strong driving and, yeah. you know, you, you want to be further down at a better type of thing. That just not doesn't really scream between how to me. So whether they change the setup quite significantly for the South African yeah. Open, maybe it's the weaker field. One of those, though, it's like it also it also pays to be patient. And I think, you know, even if you're a big hitter, you can play like, um, it would definitely helps for sure. It's a terribly long course, but I mean, I feel like you have to be patient at this course. You know, let the birdies come to you, um, as such. And sometimes it could reward like someone like a Brent, Brandon Grace. You know, who's not always the biggest hitter. Yeah. Um, who's just has that patience and has that um, you know know-how and experience. You know, I think it can it can definitely reward that kind of player. And that's probably I do put Bez in that category you know so uh, we'll see it's, it's one of those ones where like it felt like he was playing really strong golf on the PGA Tour and it felt inevitable that when he'll drop down he'll come and win here again a little bit like what we said mm. about Aaron Rye a little bit what I'm going to say about someone in a minute like Lucas Herbert's done it this season like it does feel like he's the type of person that would do that but for me I just thought Thomas Dietrich made a lot more obvious claims um, mm-hmm. and and I get that the hesitation of Thomas Dietrich 14 to 1 look this is a guy that hasn't won on either of the top two um tours he's obviously got that lone win on the challenge tour but i do truly believe that he can win now like it doesn't it doesn't feel like i mean he's lost to the playoff last year didn't he or it's got shown all the year before um he's been here twice and he's finished seventh and third and the first time he was in three shots of the league going into sunday the second time he was in one shot of the league going into sunday and obviously finished seventh and third so we know what yeah. happened on sunday but it's, could have won both times, couldn't he? Yeah, could have won both times. I think he's had a little bit more contending experience since both of those starts. Like, we haven't been here since 2019, so he's, he's had 
you know three years two years to you know improve on his game mm-hmm. when he when he did do that last time around he posted three straight under par rounds to open which I think is really tough on this kind of layout he was chasing Xander Lombard who's another player that obviously was looking for a big breakthrough win mm-hmm. so then he comes and he shoots the final round 74 and I, I almost feel like they could have rubbed off negatively on each other and that kind of opened up to Tommy Fleetwood and Marcus Kinholm so you look at what he's done on the PJ Tour this season uh, 5 for 5 may cut 2nd, 9th, 12th and 15th in those starts as well mm-hmm. I, I just think he's I think he's just playing too well to ignore and I get that it's 14 to 1 but I think what's going to happen here is what we've had with Smith what we've had with Shinquin what we've had with mm-hmm. other players you, you wait and wait and wait and then they get too short then you go off them and they just yeah. and, and then they just win at a short price. Yeah, and, and I think I think ultimately like what price can you make Dietrich at this point? Like, do I need to hold out for because I mean what's it unless he gets into like a, a really strong I guess a DP World Tour final or whatever with yeah. with the likes of Rory and stuff in it, like maybe he goes out to forty to one or whatever. But you know, then you're factoring the fact that he's got to beat those guys. So to me, fourteen to one is absolutely fine, I'm gonna take mm-hmm. it. Yeah, don't mind that at all. I mean, he is like, he's got it all, hasn't he? And he's just, I feel like he's just that one win away from really transforming into a seriously top, top player. Yeah. I think it's in the world of good. Um, I know we say that about a lot of players, but with Dietrich, you know how many times he's been up there, how many times he's inside the top 20, let alone the top five or 10. He's just a very consistent performer. Um, and yeah, this is a perfect trap for him. I mean, look, it's just to see that he's nearly won twice here and it's only on Sunday. You'd have thought by the end of 2019, he'd have won, um, he'd have won by now, but yeah. that's the sad story. I mean, he is probably the most overdue player in, in golf, really. I think he is now, yeah. I think, I, think, I think that's fair enough. And I think, we, you know, we do make the sort of sweeping statements that they're, they're going to win one and kick on, and, and a lot of them don't, right? And... But to me, like just what he's done on the PJ Tour this season, the highlights just how good he can be, and yeah. like it's been consistent. Like if he just flashed at the Bermuda, or he just flashed at Marco, whatever, and you go, all right, well, you know, he's a good player and he should do that. But it's just been every week, and to me, that consistency, you know, creeping in um, at that level is really, really good. So what's he had? I mean, he's had like four or five seconds on the on the DP World Tour now, mm-hmm. um, including in the Scottish Open, which is a strong event, um, two events in 2020. Got a second at the Bermuda recently, which again he wasn't he wasn't leading, so he didn't have the pressure. But oh, just it just feels like to me like he's coming. So um, happy yeah. with him. Um, like it. Robert McIntyre is a player that has broken through. Um, mm-hmm. w- was a player that you would kind of associate maybe similar struggles to in the past. Um, there's obviously one again recently. What what led you to to McIntyre? I know he obviously finished eighth here on his debut yeah. in 2019. So, um, yeah, he was the one that appealed to me up the top. I think he is quite a fair price at 20 to 1. Um, and, uh, yeah, since he's won the Italian Open back in September, he hasn't finished outside the top 20 in four starts. I had a couple of top 10s. Uh, ball striking has been a bit hot and cold. It popped at Valderrama and at the French Open, but it was poor last time out at Portugal Masters. Like, he heavily relied on the, the flat stick. Um, but he's had a couple of weeks off. And like this is a, a big high profile event and we know Bobby Mack loves to sharpen these high profile events and not only that, um, obviously it's another chance to impress um, Luke Donald who's going to yeah. be playing this week, um, Ryder Cup captain. So he's obviously already impressed by winning the Italian Open, um, but this is a, another opportunity. I mean, I just feel like this is a course that he has played before, which is always, always good, and especially a course like this, it pays to have experience. Um, he sat 50th after two rounds, then shot 65-68 over the weekend to finish eighth. Um, and yeah, I just feel like he's got a, he's he's going to be up for it. I feel like he's going to be really up for it this week. And has a decent record in South Africa as a whole. Never missed a cut from five starts. 42nd at the Joe Berg Open, and this was when he was a kid, like 2017. <laughs> Uh, 15th at South African Open, uh, 8th at the Ned Bank, and a 15th and a 6th place finish at the Alfred Dunhill Championship. So I just think there's a lot there. Um, and at 20 to 1, I think he's the pick from the top. I think I think with McIntyre, right? Like you look at his, you know, you mentioned he loves the big events. So I think that Italian Open did wonders because 
I didn't really buy into the showdown win, like Aphrodite Hills. Like it is what it, like he didn't even shoot mm-hmm. the best round of the week, whatever. Like it was a different format. He can only win what he can win, but um, <clears throat> like I think him winning that Italian Open was just a completely different level because you look like third at the Dubai Desert Classic, big event. Sixth and eighth in the Open, obviously major championships. Fourth at the DP World Tour Championships. Second at the British Masters. Twelfth at the Masters. Like even fifteenth at Riviera. Like it's just yeah, brilliant. He steps up like, for he, big events. He, he really does. does. And, I, and I wonder. I've always had this kind of knock with him. I think he almost needs to channel a mentality where every week is important to him because mm-hmm. it almost strikes me that it isn't. Um, and he can put himself into a really good position this week. Um, in the race to Dubai standing so yeah. I think it's really important for him to, to have a good week and, and that might just give him the extra edge especially with that yeah. just like for someone of his because he's not been around that long so for him to have got that 8th place finish here already is pretty big yeah. <coughs> so yeah so he's in 15th place with the, with the race to Dubai standings I don't know quite if anyone can really win this except for, like the race to Dubai except for kind of Rory, Fitz and Fox but, no I don't think so no. um, you know the higher he finishes the more he gets so um, as much as people say they don't care about money, they definitely do. So I think it's um, something to consider when it comes to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just thought there was like, like there was a plethora of players here: Hoygaard, uh, Herbert, Minwoo Lee, Rosner. All of them considered. Adrian Moronk considered. Like, yeah. especially Moronk. Like, I think his game suits this really, really nicely. Um, I had three events that I kind of correlated to this um, mm-hmm. in particular. Sorry. So I had uh, the Qatar Masters at Doha. Okay. Um, I had uh, the European Masters at Kranz. Yep, I had that one. Yeah. And what was the other one that I had? Was it Kenya Open? No, it wasn't the Kenya Open. Where else was it? Um, it might have, no, it's just those two actually. So it's just those two mm-hmm. that are connected to it, right? And and I'll tell you why. It's because so Sergio Garcia is one at all three. Thomas Bjorn's one at all three. Ernie Els is one at all three. Robert Carlson's won Qatar, won Crowns and finished second at Nedbank. Um, Danny Willett's won Crowns and Nedbank. Noren's won Crowns and Nedbank. But the, the person that really nailed home all three of them for me was Jung Hyun Wang, who won Qatar, finished second here and 12th at Crowns. Mm-hmm. Um, you go through kind of like the list of people. So I, the, the, first, the one was, was Doha for me that I kind of kicked off. Yeah. It was um, Stenson was a winner and a three-time runner-up here, a winner and two-time runner-up at Doha. Els, three-time winner at Nedbank, one-time winner at Qatar. Uh, Brandon Grace, back-to-back winner at Doha, one-time winner here. Um, Adam Scott, two-time winner in Doha, runner-up here. Like, I suppose the argument to all of those is that they're just really high-quality players that are probably better than the fields they were playing in. So that was the easiest thing to, to kind of put a rule through that. But to me, yeah. when I saw Jung Hun Wang just connect all three, um, to me, they were the biggest ones. But you mentioned the Kenya Open there as well. What was it that you liked about that? Um, purely because it's played at uh, altitude, you know, yeah. at high altitude, and I just think that's obviously it's played at high altitude this week, and obviously it's in Africa as well, and um, it's another tricky track, um, which you know you have to be patient on, and so I, I do feel like I can see similarities with the with the Kenya Open. Um, so yeah, I use that and and Crans like yourself because obviously they're both at Crans is also at a high altitude. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think having some experience. Um, and showing up on leaderboards at these two events is um, is important this week. So I imagine that was kind of what led you to Thrissa Norris? It certainly was, yeah. Um, two-time winner on the DP World Tour, um, <laughs> and they both came at high altitude, Kranz uh, yep. and uh, Joburg. Um, he doesn't boast the best of records at this course. He has a sip in a Sunshine Tour event, 17th, 40th, and three missed cuts. But the one time he did play this course at this level offers um, a little bit more encouragement. He was sitting inside the top 10 going into the final round at the South African Open. That's in 2021. Yeah. And then he shot a final round of 72 to fall away. Um, so just the fact that he was kind of he was kind of there is uh, encouraging. Um he hasn't been playing too well since he got that win at Kranz, um, but he finished sixth last time out at Valderrama. He ranked fourth tee to green, 14 for greens and regulation. We know Friston Lawrence now. He's he's a great ball striker. Um, he's good at scoring on the par fives. Um, and although it was quite a while ago now, like Valderrama, as we were talking about earlier with the breaks, um, it's definitely what you want to see before he goes on a break. You know, a positive yeah. result. Um, 
He also had a tied second, which I said um, at, at Kenya Open, which I was saying earlier, um, which I really like. Uh, played at altitude. And another event um, that I really did look at was, um, yeah, the Joburg Open, sorry. Yeah. My notes are all muddled. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, back in South Africa, like, he has really good form um, like on the DP World Tour level. He, had, he reads, he won, he's had a 19th, he's had uh another ninth and eighth and yeah i just really fancy him to go well this week i think there's too much there yeah i think i think when you look at like the fact that he hasn't played that well here in the past like he's played here a few times and i think that skews it because he's played here a few times when he was a lesser player do you know what i mean and lesser events and and stuff like that right so i think all the stuff that he's done since then especially this season i mean he's he's a revelation this season my only concern Mm -hmm. was i got really caught up in the um, the altitude thing in Spain at the Open Day of Spain where I put Fristen Lawrence up because of those wins uh, that you've already mentioned. Yeah. Um, so that was my that was my only concern with him because I, I I did have him on the list as well. But I think I think actually when you consider that this is actually South Africa versus you know the, the Spain thing that really wasn't really wasn't even at that high altitude, it's probably a completely different story. Um, mm-hmm. And he's you know a strong driver of the golf ball at his best. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really like Fristen Lawrence. He was he was certainly on the shortlist for me. Didn't get there. Um, mm-hmm. Only reason I didn't get there. Um, I liked Gavin Green, who to me, has just been playing unbelievable golf. Like I know we talk about Gavin Green an awful lot, and you know, generally speaking, the, the rule is just to back him as a first round leader, right? But he's got a fifth in Doha. He's got two top twelves at Crowns, which are two events that I really really like. Yeah. Um, he's made ten straight cuts. He's got three runner-up finishes in that time, two of them on the DP World Tour, one, I think, in the International Series. He's also been 11th in that span as well. Two starts here. Uh, only finished 57th and 21st, but I think, you know, the fact that he's been here is, is absolutely fine. Um, his driver hasn't been as good as I'd hoped. Like, I looked into his driving stats and they weren't brilliant, mm. but his approach is 6th, 8th and 1st in the field in the recent starts and 3rd, 7th and 3rd in tee to green. So, generally speaking, his ball striking is absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, so, if he can just tighten up that driver a little bit, which I think he can, mm-hmm. uh, especially when he's forced to, um, I think he's, he's taken the next step, Gavin Green, and it would he make hasn't. sense that something like this would uh, suit him. Yeah, no, I can't argue any of that. And look, he should have he should have a win to his name. He should. He, really. <laughs> I see he got beat by an absolute like monster in Jordan Smith that week. So... Yeah, yeah. No, he's been so impressive, so impressive. And actually, the fact he didn't win probably makes it even better. Case it's like, oh, how the hell, how the hell haven't I won that? And yeah, he's probably going to be even more geared up for this one. Yeah, so, just positive, positive vibes from from that Portugal Masters. Knows that he's done. Like in the past, he would know that he's given things away. Although I still don't think that like he's almost shot a bit like Man, so he kind of shoots himself out of it before he's really in it. But like this time, he was he was right there and just did yeah. everything he could. Just like he gave it all. Yeah, and I think that's a positive experience. So I really like Gavin Green. Um, I think he's a good golf course for him, ultimately. Um, yep. I did consider George Coetzee off of that win in South Africa, but... Um, he's never really done well here, no, has he? No, never done well. And, you know, I think he's the type of player that you know where he's going to play well. So if he's given you hints that he hasn't, then yeah. you should probably take it. Um, yeah. Then Callum Shinkwin came into the four because of his driving. You know, I was looking for the best players off the tee. He's one of them. Um, but again, just I really liked Gavin Green at this stage. Um, and then like Marcel Schneider, Hurley Long, a couple of you know really high you know mm-hmm. talented players, Ross Fisher, and Oliver Becker for me was actually someone like he's very close to Oliver Becker. Yeah, yeah very like, close. He's he's off the tee game, surprisingly you know really good. He's got really second good. and eighth place finishes uh, on this golf course. You know, yeah, I saw an interview saying how much he loves it here as well. Um, yeah, so I do. He was just also uh, saying how you have to be patient around here. You know, I've seen a lot of interviews saying that, um, and he just loves the course. So he he was one. I saw that. Um, I saw that interview actually after I put my uh, place my selection. So yeah, I was a bit like, oh, I was tossing up between him and someone else, and uh, that could have swayed me. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I think I think to me he would be the one, and I've actually only got three on the card at the moment, so he might be the one that I add in because you look at the fact that he was 56th at the Dunhill Links, but he was actually 11th going into the final day. Um, he was 45th at Valderrama, but actually shot a second round 66. Then he goes back down to South Africa, finishes third, um, ninth at the Italian Open. He's, we know what he's done earlier in this season as well. 
Yeah, just yeah, just to me, he was up there. There was a period where he looked like he was just going to win, wasn't it? Like he was just up there all the time. Um, well, my fear, at least South African swinger, probably. Yeah, my fear was that like he just tailed off. Like I think I backed him um, when he finished second like, last year. I think it might have been to Van Tonda. Um, I think it was that time, but he yeah. like, went into the when he went into the water, or Van Tonda mm-hmm. just got over the water. Um, pretty yeah. sure that was the SA Open last year, and mm-hmm. that was probably the last experience of being on Becker that was like a negative. Like it wasn't really his fault; he just didn't make an awful lot. You like the Kenya Open; he was eighth there. He was top ten at both those Raz events, which was nice back to back. Third at Stein City, second at Catalonia, fourth at Sadal, sixteenth yeah. for the Irish. Like it was just incredible period for him it was and then he went on that really horrible stretch after the Irish Open where he went 64th miss cut miss cut 62nd miss uh, withdraw 42nd like and then I just thought oh he's, he's you can almost overlook him now um, but I just think maybe one last shot while he's in South Africa so he's definitely um, in the consideration mm-hmm. I like it your next selection was someone that I actually really wanted to go to yeah. the only reason I didn't um, was because I was just I feel like driver. Mm, yeah, that's it. Like, I I actually took him at a worse surprise. I took him at seventy fives, uh, <laughs> eight places, and now he's available at um, ninety to one, eight places with Bet Fred in their alternate market, and he's he's drifted big time. Um, but um, I hope they don't know something I don't. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, I just I really liked him. Obviously, he's had the two top ten finishes at Crans. Um, he's a four-time winner on the DP World Tour now, obviously, and he won the Kenya Open earlier in the year. So they're the two courses straight away. I really like both at high altitude. He's obviously comfortable playing high altitude, and he's played here before, uh, finishing 16th on debut, which I think is a really, like, really good result. Um, his first time there. He's just in, he's in pretty steady form as well. He's made four consecutive cuts. Um, which includes a 13th place finish at the Spanish Open, 16th last time out at Mallorca Open. Um, and, you know, I feel like this is his kind of test. He's not, I mean, obviously he hasn't had the distance, um, but as I said earlier, I think a certain, another type of player can show up here. He's known for his accuracy off the tee, strategic play, um, solid short game. Um, I think he will have the sort of patience to deal with um, this kind of course. And, yeah, I quite, I quite like him. I think he's quite a, a sneaky player. Obviously, he's not very popular given the, the betting <laughs> market, but he's someone I really like. Yeah, that, that was Ashen Wu. I don't know if we actually mentioned Yeah, that. sorry, yeah, Ashen, Ashen Wu. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all of those reasons and, and more. I mean, when he was um, 13th at the Spanish Open, he actually started really well, didn't he? I think he shot like a 63. Um, and then just... You know, just fell away uh, on the second day. I think that was where he kind of hit it on bloody car paths and all sorts. Yeah. Um, which, which was my one concern. I just don't know. If he, he's not. Not only is he not the longest, but he can sometimes get a bit wild off the tee as well. So um, yeah, that was my he, only generally, reservation. Though, he's normally not. He's usually quite a very accurate player. But I know what you mean. When he does lose it, he, yeah. he does lose it. Yeah. Um, it, it's but... just one of those things that I think. Ashen Wu, I always back him when it all seems to line up for him and it doesn't go well. And then he just does it when he doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. So I just kind of go, it's a gut instinct thing because, like you said, he's got the sixth place finish at Crowns. He's got a ninth place finish at Crowns. Um, he's won at Kenya, which you obviously like. Yeah. Um, and even just like in sort of bigger events like HSBC Champions, WGCs, and a couple of times. Yeah, you can show up. Abu Dhabi's had a 12th, Saudi International 13th, um, three top 25s actually in that WGC HSBC um, event. So, yeah, I mean, you look at it, he's a four time winner. Like, I think people I just overlook that. Like They do. I mean, you've got Hao Tong Lee, who's obviously like, no one knows what you're going to get from him this week. Um, yeah. But he's another one that loves it here and has got a load of um, good um, form that you like to see elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I just think Ashwin Wu is the. Is the top Chinese player to take this week? Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, I did look at Oliver Wilson again. Uh, it feels like there's a little bit of a renaissance with him. And when you look at his correlative form, I mean, he's basically played everywhere a hundred times, so he's bound to have some form. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm pretty pretty sure he was very impressive um, in Qatar for for a decent period of time earlier in his career. Um, 
and certainly in Crowns he's played well as well. So to me, like he's got what I need from him. Um, he's played well here in the past as well, I believe, or at least shown up for a couple of rounds. He, when he was 30th, he was fourth going into the final day and shot an 82. So um, a little bit of what Oliver Wilson was like before he got his wins. But, you know, the fifth at Crowns, um, fifth at uh, Qatar, to me, there was, there was enough that I think if you were looking for kind of like a, I don't know, they're doing top 20s and stuff in, in this kind mm-hmm. of field, but he would possibly be that because I'm not sure he can win again this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> final pick for me was Calais Samoya. Uh, and this was basically on the correlative form, right? You know, the yeah. two, two courses I flagged were Doha and Crown Cercier, third and fifth at Qatar, second at Crown Cercier. So that, that already sort of flashes up to me as, as successful. Then he comes here and he's played here once, finished 10th. And just yeah. recently he shot a second round 64 at the Portugal Masters as well. So whilst he hasn't been putting four rounds together basically since he won, um, there has been flashes and he's 200 to one in the limited field. So yeah. I could easily see him sort of shooting out the blocks a little bit, going and shooting a 64, 65 on day one, yeah. uh, hanging around over the weekend. And, you know, maybe falling away because he hasn't put the four rounds together but he's one of those and he's like a higo which we said last week he just he's either gonna miss the cut or he's gonna be up there or um you know he's he's got that ability yeah he he definitely has the ability that you know you could see him going first round leader or or whatever because Mm. he just he just seems to make birdies and bunches and i I still don't quite know how good he is like it's it's a really weird thing to say but he's obviously won now (laughs) he's got a couple of impressive second place finishes um top three finishes obviously i mentioned the guitar masters already it's just the fact that he had that 10th place finish here in the past already like that really impressed me and never shot worse than 72 that week which is tough on this golf yeah course. it's it's good going um so you look at it, as well yeah like you look at it like that was two shots behind robert mcintyre we've obviously given a boost to you know four mm-hmm. or five shots behind thomas dietrich but like you know, he was right there shooting the same scores as like a, an Aaron Rye or whatever. And they're the sort mm-hmm. of people that we would have given, you know, a boost to in this field. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think the price was just too big uh, in a short field. Yeah, um, like that. That was probably me done. I, I think who would be... If, if I'm going to put Becker in, then he doesn't need to qualify for this. I think the person maybe that I'd be a little bit gutted if they won, it would be maybe Lucas Herbert or Antoine Rosner. Like, both of them I thought were better than than their price mm-hmm. but Rosner to me I just can't envisage winning um, I think yeah no I, Rosner would be frustrating I think for most of the golfing community yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think I'm alone um, I think the one for me would be Becker because I was quite I was quite keen on him I also looked quite closely at Ewan Ferguson as well as he's got the Qatar Qatar win which you like um, he's shown up I think Kenya oh, he's second won, place in he? Kenya yeah. um, I think he's done all right at crowns as well i can't don't yeah i'm pretty sure he had a good i did look at him as well he's, just because good he's a good driver as well isn't he yeah no great great ball striker he, um continuously look, overpriced i think he's a bit big I, and i think he opened at hundreds that's where i was going to contemplate and taking him which um i think that was really really big um yeah. but yeah i still think 80s is pretty yeah, good I think, I think 80s is on the big side i mean it's just I don't know. It's, again, it seems to be. I keep looking at him, going, "Oh, he's, you know, too big of a price." And in that span of every week where I thought he was too big of a price, he's missed four cuts in a row. So mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. people know better than I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it, it is yeah. what it is. Um, let's go on to the Houston Open then. Uh, let's let's, let's keep it relatively brief tonight if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this event. I, I like this golf course. Um, Yep. How much stock do you put in previous Houston Opens or other Texas form? I think you've got to, you've got to consider it. I think Texas form um, is something you've got to look at. Um, yeah, I, I definitely factored that in. Yeah, how about yourself? Yeah, I, I think I think it's a little bit more of a unique test in the sense that it's got five par threes. It's a it's a par seventy, but it's long. Um, one thing I did note: any like this is more for probably people that are going to bet the first round leader market, or whatever. Every player that's led or co-led after the first round, these the, the two years he's been here, started on the first tee. And it makes a ton of sense because two of the par fives are there. Um, there's a short par four in there, which is, I think, is the only par four that plays under par. Yeah. And the second hole is a par three that is the one 
that it was the easiest hole on the course. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're getting a really yeah, good, a good fast start. start. So yeah. I would consider that if you know if if you see your player starting on the first tee, no matter if it's outright or first round leader, I'd be enthusiastic about what they're mm-hmm. going to do on day one, which could be really positive. And that's not to say that if you've got an outright pick and they start on the tenth tee on Thursday to that's you know, a good one to, for a first round leader. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think I think that's obviously more important for that. It was just something I kind of figured out. Yeah, no, it's interesting. As we went along. Um, looking at the market though, Scottish Shepherd's six to one, Sam Burns fourteen to one, Aaron Wise eighteen to one, Tony Fino eighteen to one, Russell Henley, Jason Day, Hideki Matsuyama, Maverick Manili twenty five to one. Um, I think the market's got it pretty right there. I mean, Sheffler and Burns. I mean, Sheffler, you could even take it. I, I do think Sheffler could quite easily win this week. Obviously, I mean. He's like in Texas, he's playing really well again, and he feels like yeah, he must feel like I've got one for a while, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can see him. It's a good course for him, and obviously a great course for Burns as well. Uh, so yeah, them two I could understand if people do want to back a shorty. Um, I didn't, but I could understand why people do. Um, they're both two great options. Yeah. Right to favourites. I think I think Burns would be the one just because he's double the price of Sheffler yeah. and he's got two separate place finishes and I don't think there's an awful lot between them. But you know you've got to you've got to wonder what Sheffler's motivation is to keep playing these events if not to you know if if he doesn't think he's in shape to win like mm-hmm. he, he could easily rest up for the rest of this year now and, and go into the new year with a mm-hmm. clean slate. So he's obviously feeling pretty good about his game. Yeah. Um, the other person I thought was interesting to note was was Russell Henley the fact that he won last week. Um, and he's won this event in the past, albeit at the golf club in Houston. But you go back to 2017, he won the Houston Open. Uh, a week later, finishes 11th um, at the Masters. I'm pretty sure the year that he, you know, he won that debut event, didn't he, at the Sony Open? Uh, I think that was his first ever event. I'm pretty sure he he then went back to back and not won, but contended there again. I'm just going to bring it up uh, in front of me now. Okay, so no, he didn't. He didn't do that. He, he finished 56th, but Maybe got off to a fast start or something. Then 2014 mm-hmm. at the Honda Classic, he's obviously won again. Like he does seem to just be able to to do some bits. Yeah. So I think if he didn't win last week, he'd be a lot more popular. Yeah, I mean, look, if he was second last week and was 33 to one, then yeah. he'd probably be the better week, like for people. Um, so I think it's just the fact that he actually hasn't been as good off a win as I thought he was. So uh, maybe scrap that. But like after that. After that Houston Open win, he did really well at the Masters. So it just depends, right? Like he's, it's been coming for a decent amount of time, um, and now it's coming. It just depends how he reacts to that. Uh, I think Aaron Wise is too short now. I can't, I can't do Aaron Wise. Oh, no, if he wins at that number, so be it. You know. Yeah. So this Lose. person that you're going to speak about is Lose. I've purposely left a space. I've, I've only made three picks so far, and he's probably going to join uh, join that list. So. Give us why you like Jason Day, and then I'll I'll sort of yeah. add into that. Well, we sort of he's come in a lot since I looked yesterday. I was just had a look at odds checker today. Yeah, so Houston Open. He's now twenty five. Like he is. Wow. Um, but yeah, I still think he's the man. Um, like I'm going to give him another go. I think we were on him like not so long back. Well, I think last, was it last seventeen to one. We were on him about three weeks ago, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, was, exactly. Uh, and he's, he just yeah. he continues to hit the ball like really well. I mean, last week he opened with around a 73, like a shocking start, then went 64, 67, 66, like, which was the best collective score over those three rounds. Um, ball striking, again, excellent. Um, ranked up third in the field. And it's just the part that needs sorting out. And if you look at where Day has picked up his wins, twice at Torrey Pines, uh, Bay Hill, um, his last win was Quail Hallow back in 2018. Yeah. Uh, these are just all tough, long, you know, difficult courses, which is similar to what we're going to see this week. Um, and yeah, I'm going to factor in the Texan form because I could. <laughs> I did look at that. Um, he has a great record. He won the 2016 WGC match play at TPC uh, San Antonio, as well as that uh, Byron Nelson back in 2010. I think it might have been his first win. Um, further to four top tens at that event as well uh eighth at the houston open uh which was at houston country club and most importantly he has a seventh place here back yep. in 2020 where he was sitting in second going into the final round shot 71 fell away 
Um, and he's, he's really comfortable putting on Bermuda grass. And he's won four times um, on the service. So, yeah, I've, he's come in a bit price-wise, uh, but I think it's definitely warranted. I think he, he looks as though he's ready to win again. So, yeah, I'm happy to, to jump on him. Yeah, uh, do you know what? It's, so you, you talked about that ball striking uh, last week, finished third in the field. Actually, the, the weakest category for him was driving distance, where he was 20th. So he's 11th in driving accuracy, 17th in greens regulation. Mm. Um, and 20th, you know, driving distance has been his bag for yeah. you know, years, right? Been, yeah. And I know, obviously, it's not fair to kind of go by driving distance at Mike over because you don't need to hit it far. So it's not really a reflection to say that he's lost distance or anything like that. But like mm-hmm. the fact that he was third in the field in ball striking without the distance being the dominating factor, I thought was really positive. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we did Definitely. mention like, is he just going to come into this price? It feels a little bit, not quite Thomas Dietrich because Thomas Dietrich feels inevitable his day. I think is a little bit more of a project, but like, I think I just, I think he's too good to to suffer for too long, and he's kind of proven that. And we tried to be early on him at the seventy to one. I can't remember where it was now. It was like three or four yeah, Shriners. Shriners. Yeah, yeah, Shriners. It was, and you know, I think he shot like a sixty-four or sixty-three on the final day the finish, there, yeah. um, which you know, yeah, sixty-three in the final. He shot two he rounds of sixty-six. A, and a it was BJ Cup. We were on him. I'm trying to think. No, no I think it was the Shriners. Oh. Yeah, no, it definitely was the Shriners. Um, yeah. No, no, maybe it was the CJ Cup. Maybe it was the CJ because Cup because of what we backed Shriners. him off the back of that. Yeah, um, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, that, that would make sense more with a timeline. But ultimately, like the final round 66 at the Shriners, two 66s that week. He then shoots um, four rounds of, of sub 70 at the CJ Cup, which was tough. Yeah. Shoots a second round of 64, like you said last week, finishes with 66. Like it's just been really solid scoring. He started both years here with a 67 as well so it gets off mm-hmm. to a decent start it did tail away last year pretty significantly but mm-hmm. he wasn't playing, he wasn't well. playing that well and no, he, and he said, yeah. wasn't in a great shape and i think the yes okay so he was second after every round in 2020 going into the final round finishes seventh that might be more of an accurate reflection of what we could expect for him maybe he's not ready to win again and he does that um but He's worth a chance, I think. I think so. I think he, I think up the top, he's the, definitely the one that could bring a surprise to like a Scheffler or a Burns. Well, I, th- I think you know, like if 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 Finau Burns or Scheffler wins, no one's surprised. I think if Wise, I don't think people are surprised if Wise wins, but people will be surprised if he lives up to sixteen to one. Uh, Russell Henley's got to go back to back. Matsuyama's not been playing that great. McNeely's not a winner yet. Yeah. So um... you know, if if you look at Day and McNeely at the same price and you think you know mm. okay day's coming in a bit but like i know mcneely's been confident. i do i feel like mcneely is another one of those that's due a bit like wise i, don't, I wouldn't mm. have them too much apart really in price in, no in all I, honesty. I liked mcneely i just i just thought when you've priced him with hideki and day like yeah don't look right does it it's weird um i mean taylor montgomery ain't far behind but he has been impressive but. well he's he's just been like it's just been non-stop with him like throughout the whole of the Corn Ferry, whatever. And I know McNeely is on a good run, like 10th, 12th, 18th, 10th. Like, you can't take that away from him. But mm. he hasn't, you know, he just hasn't, I don't really remember him. It's not like a killer instinct in yeah. him, is there? And it, I don't, I still don't really know what it is that he's best at, like, in terms of course-wise. Like, he's got a seven-foot mm. Riviera, which I do like. Um, he's got those runner-up finishes at Pebble and the Fortinet, which are obviously different events to this. So, I just think it's going to be slightly not too long for him because he's obviously a big enough hitter but like 20th and 19th place finishes I think is probably what he's going to do this week like I think he just yeah. maybe improves on that and finishes 15th um, <laughs> and, and keeps up the good run uh, we, we've both got picks in this range now uh, I'll give you a break just quickly and go into it's Joel better. Damon um, I, I've been it's weird I, I kind of got attached to Joel Damon early in the season did bet him at the CJ Cup didn't deliver but did play really well and he was just he was just going to be a pick for me regardless this week. He, I was a bit mm-hmm. disappointed to obviously come in, but missed the cut of the Fortinet and since gone 13th, 37th, and 16th um, before finishing third last week in Mayakoba. And Mayakoba goes 68, 67, 66, 65. Gets better every day. Yep. Then you look at the correlating courses, and I, I love the courses you read out. Like Riviera to me was the biggest crossover. You know, mm. you, you look at um, Co Cracks played well there um, and, and won. Here, um, 
Carlos Tease has played well there, one here. Dustin Johnson, Hideki both play Riviera well. So second at Quail Hollow, driver heavy golf course. Fifth at Riviera, there's a lot of you know, crossover. Fifth at Bay Hill, a lot of driving again. Ninth at Torrey Pines, driving. Ninth at the Byron Nelson, Texas. To me, that is huge. Then you mm-hmm. go into the fact that he was fifth here last year anyway, closing with a 65. Um, driving the ball really nicely. 20th in distance, 11th in accuracy last week. And then when you look at his strokes gain data that's available, obviously we've had a couple of weeks where we can't use it, but 11th and 12th in strokes gain approach, 1st and 11th in strokes gain tee to green, and 18th and 25th off the tee. He's got it on a string. He, he really has. And um, He can carry form for over, can't he? For he a while, can. once he hits a bit of form, he really does uh, threaten for a long time. I, I do just think he's one of them players that can get real streaky. I still think as well, I don't know, I think him and Max Homer are fairly good friends, aren't they? And I think they are, yeah. like, both of them were a little bit, you know, they kind of lent towards their Twitter more than they did their game, right? Mm-hmm. But, but ever since Homer seems to have dedicated himself and, and started winning more, it feels like Damon, obviously not winning, but is, is kind of following suit as well. And yeah. you look at it, right? Second at Wells Fargo is his best ever finish. First mm-hmm. win, he's obviously won at the Corrales. 10th at the US Open, 5th at Riviera, 10th at the PGA Championship, 5th at Bay Hill, 5th in this event, 3rd yeah. at Mayakoba, 8th at the Zozo, 12th at the Players. Big results. He's like he's like he's littered. You go, you got to go down like 20 odd events before he's had a real like. Oh, it's not that good of an event. Like mm-hmm. 20th at the Trial Schwab is obviously another Texas event. Like yeah. or 19th, sorry. So to me like it's just like he's actually a better player than I think I ever gave him credit for yeah. um, and, and probably definitely more so and he's a character as well he's someone you like to get behind and back you know he's he's, he's, he's really likeable and like he you is. say I, I, sometimes I feel like he needs to believe himself probably a bit more you know maybe but he, he, he always said one of the things I didn't like about him was like um, he, he said that if he can make as much money as he can playing golf doing anything else he'd do that and I was always a bit like, oh, it's a bit of a shitty thing to say when, mm-hmm. you know, everyone would love to be in your position. And that kind of says to me that you don't actually really like playing golf. And how do you win when you're in that mindset? Then he mm-hmm. won. And I'm like, okay, well, does that change when you say that? Um, yeah. how, is it a defense mechanism? Was he just protected about the fact that he'd not won at that level yet? I, you never know. You never really know how much people mean, do you? So you kind of got to take it um, a pinch of salt. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think. I think to me there's, there's just plenty of value in him. Um, mm-hmm. You can get 45 to one, 10 places, eight for the odds um, on Betfred, which is a bit of a weird market. Or you can go first eight, fifth. Yeah, it's odds. a new market this week on Betfred. Like they're yeah. sort of uh, channeling their Bet365 each way extra. They are, know. yeah. So 40 to one, um, eight places, fifth of the odds is, is probably the one you want um mm-hmm. for betfred unless you, you want to take the kind of and you can do that as sky bet and whatever yeah um to me yeah i, I, I like joel damon a lot um davis riley was for you and and he was definitely on my list and i'll give you the one yeah. negative that i had about him before mm-hmm. you give us all the positives that are going to overall what okay. i'm saying off the tee mm. i know it hasn't been good has it no and and it has it ever been that great yeah, no, I mean he's normally renowned as like a good ball striker. Like, well, from, from the Corn Ferry Tour days, he was always uh, strong off the tee. Like, never like the, the longest of hitters, um, but yeah, no, I, I've always been a always been one to hit fairways and find greens. Yeah, because oh, because basically said he's got the best swing mm-hmm. in the world and he's a top ten player in waiting type of thing, and you never know kind of how much that is just about their mates or whatever, but. I just thought he hit the ball longer than he does, but maybe that's just a, a recent thing, and maybe he can just hit it longer when he, you know, frees up and, and hits it a bit better. I guess. Mm-hmm. No, I know. I, I do feel like it, I I always thought he was longer as well coming off the Corn Ferry Tour. Like I did, I did always like feel. And then you compared him to the players on the PGA Tour, and he's, he's you know he's sitting in around like forty fifty, I think, mm. around that. Um, but you know, I do think. That he had, he got off to a poor start at the Fortinet, didn't he? he Missed a cut, and I just feel like he's coming into it a bit more, like into the season. But he's had some good finishes. Yeah, he had finished nine best finishes of the year so far as the nineteenth of the season. Sorry, at the Sanderson Farm. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look great, like that being his best finish. But 
He's been inside the top 26 for greens and regulations um, in his last four starts. Um, there's a lot more accurate off the tee at the Maikobe. He ranked 20th in driving, actually, sipped in ball striking, which is the best he's hit it you know, all season in these um, early events. And I just feel like if he continues to hit it like that, that this week um, and he sort of improves on that, it, it will just come down to the putter. I do think this is a, a good test for him. Like He's already proven that... Um, He's got a great record in Texas. You know, he's won one of his uh, events. Um, he won on the Confro Tour of the two wins he had. He won the TPC San Antonio Championship. Um, and last time he was here, he actually played it last year, finished 29th on debut, and he ranked 24th in putting. And it, is, it does feel like he is just a, a decent putting week away if he can keep up that level of ball striking um, to contending. Um, and he also has a ninth at the Byron Nelson, a fourth at the Charles Schwab Championship. Um, and yeah, I just feel like he's, as I said, a decent enough putting week away um, from threatening. And this could be a good spot for him to break through. I can't believe how much he's coming big time. He's 40 to 1 now, which I still think is probably the lowest I would take him, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, um, I quite like him. It's just, it was just for me. It was just purely the driving. Like I looked at him, real and spare him, and I just thought, oh, like because I, I saw Texas, I saw the fact he's picking up some form. He was third, fifth in ball striking last week. Like that, there was or sixth place, sorry, in ball striking last week. Like there was yeah. plenty to like, and and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, he's straight skin off the team. That's his bread and butter, though. I feel like if yeah. he's hitting that, if if I'm seeing any spike in that, and you know, with the sort of high ceiling of a player that he is, you know, and the times he's he's already threatened to win already i just feel coming into this event he's going to be you know feeling good about himself and wanting to carry that over and go that one extra you know um, so i just that was enough for me to draw me in like statistic wise and obviously his um record in texas was very appealing yeah yeah as i say 29th here on debut last year so he's he's doing he's shown what he needs to show um it's just whether he gets a driver back on track for me but you know, it's very easy, I think, and I'm definitely guilty of this. You get caught up in, well, they can't do it because, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the driver's not been good enough recently. That can definitely change on a dime. So, um, you know, we've just got to consider that, really. Yes. Especially this time of year, as I said at the start of the podcast. So, sort of remind myself of what I said, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Gordon, who, first round leader machine. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But. He found his form on the corner ferry, didn't he, at the end of the season. Two fifth-place finishes before winning in the Boise Open. Um, and then he's just he's come back on the PJ Tour with an absolute vengeance. So even his like finishes don't look that great, but his main stock of his game has been unbelievable. So yeah. 30 sit for the Fortinet, but he was 16th for the halfway stage. He was 30th for the Sanderson Farms, but he led on day one and closed with a 68. Um he then finished 44th at the Shriners, but he opened with 65, closed with 63. Um, so just had sort of bad milling rounds. He went into the final round in 8th place at Bermuda before falling away. But then last week, he did put the four rounds together. So he opens with a 62, follows it up with 67, 68, 69. Yes, you can argue that he's going the wrong way at that point. But the fact that he backs up a 62 with a 67 yeah. and a 68 is really impressive. And a little bit in the sense of what... Gavin Green was to Jordan Smith a couple of weeks ago. Like Russell Henley just wasn't getting beat, and you know when, mm-hmm. when, when that happens, I think Gordon will feel pretty hard done by that. His best ball striking has come in a week where Russell Henley finds a putter. Like yes. it's just tough. So Gordon was second in ball striking last week, third in driving distance, twenty seventh in driving actually. Yeah, Absolute bomber. Karen uh, find plenty of greens. He was thirty eighth here in twenty twenty. Uh, bounced back from an opening 76 to shoot 67, 65, yeah. and he was 18th going into Sunday. So I just think, I know he's come in a little bit. Like he was 71 when I wrote all this up, and he's now 55 to one best price. But that's, no, still, no. that's still fine. Um, I, I really like Will Gordon. Mm-hmm. Mark, honestly, yeah, I was contemplating him big time this week. Davis Thompson for you. Um, Yes, another player that's come in absolutely <laughs> since I've taken him. It off the tee has been brilliant, hasn't it, this season? And I oh, guess that's what caught your eye. Yeah, definitely. It's been excellent off the tee. It's been but the, as we were saying earlier, he's it's been a month since we've seen him. Hmm. So um you just hope that he's not uh he's not too rusty. 
but he's obviously had a really excellent start um, to life in PJ Toy. So like since he's graduated, he's had a ninth at the Fortinet, 67th at Samson Farms, uh, a 12th last time out at the Shriners. So he's yet to miss a cut, um, showing a lot of promise with his performances. He's seriously long off the tee, poor infant driving distance, which we know is really useful to have in your lock around here. Um, but he's also hitting his fair share of fairways. Um, he's gained on approach each of his starts this season. Um, he's just proven to be a, an excellent ball striker, which is no surprise. Like He's got bags of potential and pedigree. Like He was ranked number one amateur uh, for quite a while. Um, and, you know, some take longer than others to adjust his level, but the early signs suggest that Thompson is, he doesn't look out of place at all. Um, and I just feel like he might spring a surprise this week. Of course, should fit. Um, and I just think he looks a really great each way bet, I would say, in the triple digits. But he's now 90s um, best bet, and that's with only five places. So it's probably best to go 80s um, with Sky bet eight places. is probably the best way to go. Yeah. Did he... I'm pretty sure he had a chance to win or, like, come on the scene really quickly. He did, um, yeah. 3M just... Open. He yeah. Open was 63, but then just sort of went backwards in every round. Well, but... A sponsored invite, I think that was. Yeah. yeah. It's, to me, like, it, he he showed us straight away what he can do. Like, 63 mm-hmm. in that on that course in that field is pretty impressive. Um, like you say, he's followed that up this season with good stuff. He was 23rd at the RSM in 2019, which is... You know, a pretty impressive result because everybody would have still been in college. Forty um, second at Bay Hill, he, you know, it's not an easy place to make a cut. No, so, exactly. Whilst it's it's not a you know a result you want to pin your hat on, it's obviously good stuff as well. Just off the tee, to me, like he just stood out. Like if you just put a white label over the names and that's off the tee, he he'd be pretty your pick. Like he's mm-hmm. just been absolutely you know, absolutely unbelievable. It's he's sixth mm-hmm. in the last eight weeks in strokes going off the tee and that's over three events. Some of them yeah. most of the time have had two events. So the only other person I thought off the tee that kind of matched him, um, which I think he was a, a Georgia Bulldog as well, Keith Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um who I would have liked if his form just wasn't as shit as it was, but yeah. his his off the tee game is is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Keith Mitchell at the moment, so um, definitely someone to keep an eye on for that respect. Mm-hmm. My final pick uh, was Luke List, and I don't I don't know how I feel about the fact that I'm back on Luke List. Uh, I thought <laughs> he was go again. Yeah, I thought he was going to be a different player after that win, and he is a different player. He's gone incredibly inconsistent and missing a load of cuts, so. Uh, he, he is he is different, just not the right way. But open with a 65 here last year to co-lead after day one. Uh, fell away on Friday with a 71 to go down to 13th. But rose back up again with a 69 on Saturday to sit 7th. Finished in 11th place. So mm-hmm. sort of ebbs and flows last year uh, at the golf course. And that has kind of been what he's been like in recent weeks as well. Um, BMW Championship open with 78 to give himself absolutely no chance, but shot million rounds of 68, 69 on a tough golf course. Fortinet open with 74, but bounced back with 69 to just miss the cut. Uh, makes the cut of the Sands and Farms based on a 69 in the opening round, but couldn't follow it up. 29th at the Zozo, he was the open rounds of 69-66 to sit 8th at the halfway stage, fell away. CJ Cup had a second round 69, a really tough golf course as well. So he's hitting stuff a little bit better now than, than he was. Um, he's off the tee game, he's, he's improving 31st and 20th in his two uh, measured starts. His, ball, like his, his approach all-round game isn't where it needs to be. Uh, at the moment, but I think that can change at any point. He's been 21st and 27th in those two strokes game starts around the green, which I think could be really important this week, um, yeah. given the runoff areas. You look at just where he's played his best golf. Um, you know, one at Tory Pines, third at 2017 Houston Open, sixth and ninth at Quail Hollow, tenth at Bay Hill, two more top 15s at Tory Pines and Riviera. Just to me, that like everything screams that this should be his golf course, and mm-hmm. the 11th place finish last year kind of cements that. I know, obviously, yeah. that was probably the start of the run that led to him He's probably playing a lot better, but still, yeah, there's still so much to like. What, what odds is he? He is 100 to 1. 100 to 1, yeah. So, it to me, it, you know, there's, there's 66 to 1, there's 100 to 1 about him, so there's definitely some disagreement about what he is. Um, mm-hmm. 
80 to 180 places is probably fine. It feels like to me like there's a list of players here at the moment. So you've kind of got non-winners in like Patrick Rogers um, that, that are around him. Brendan Steele doesn't win as much as he probably no, should have his team. Playing quite well, Brendan Steele. Well. He is. Uh, you know, there, there was just a couple that kind of caught my eye. And then I like Sepp Stracker a lot, generally speaking. Um, so there was loads around here, but to me, I just thought list with the upside. generated a lot of popularity this week, hasn't he? Yeah, yes. why? I mean, obviously, he does spike on Bermuda, um, and obviously, he's um, he's got a fifth here, isn't he? Got a fifth here, and I think he's from. He, does he reside in Texas? I think. This sounds. Uh, hasn't he got that really weird Georgia accent though? Whether he ever made the yeah, Ryder Cup team, he would uh, definitely make sense. I um, know oh, you're sure. right. Yeah, um, University yeah, of yeah, no, sorry, yeah, Georgia. My, my mistake. But it, it probably sounds a little bit. It's, he's very southern, isn't he? Which is obviously plays into. Yeah, I don't know why thing. I had it in my head. He was from Texas. Uh, not not from Texas. No, he's Austrian, but um, yeah. went to college there. Um, but anyway, I just I think his game's trending. I know he can just show up out of nowhere, striker, which we've seen. I mean, remember when he he won? I thought them bloody missed cuts. Yeah. Um, but. I just feel like his game is... He's had his sort of spike in form and he's just sort of trending backwards. Yeah, the wrong way. The wrong way rather than the right... But as I said before, like, he's still getting that interest because we know what he's like. He could just... He just shows off on on Bermuda grass and and courses that suits his eye, you know. Um, So he is one that uh, is interesting, but for me, I I completely passed on him. but I don't know about you. Did you? Did you... I, I just look, I just looked at him. Like I looked at a lot of players around here, like Harris English and stuff like that. Like I think people that I know, I trust can win because mm-hmm. they have done in you know recent years or you know historically done well. And I think this is a field that once you get past the kind of first ten or twelve, it, it thins out quite considerably. So yeah, definitely. I think it's it's limited in the sense of of who you can rely on. So there was definitely players around here that I thought were better than others, but. Yeah, to me, like loot list, I just, I almost want to be early again on loot list. Like, I think there's going to be a bit of a renaissance coming again, and <laughs> I think yeah. it happens at the, at the Houston Open. So, yeah, uh, cue the miscut and then miscuts of the RSM, and then he goes into 2023 basically depressed. Um, <laughs> Justin Rose keeps sneaking into events. Like last week, I saw him on the leaderboard, and I was like, I didn't even know he was playing, and and he's here again. Oh, and Coocher as well. Yeah, uh, in the field this week, though, isn't he? He's not here, no. no. But he he definitely pops up coaching more often. Yeah, than like, no, he does. I genuinely thought Justin Rose might have been like dying because like he was just never here. Uh, he, he just disappeared for a while, and all of a sudden he's just popping up on leaderboards in events I didn't even know he was playing. So yeah. whether he's just fulfilling his like you've not played an event in you know x amount of months mm. and you need to add a new yeah, one. He had a good first round, didn't he? Yeah, he, like he was, he was, he was looking pretty good, and then he just tailed away. Um, and then Willett played well last week when I said that he might do. Yeah, he uh, finished twenty first, didn't he? Open with sixty five, uh, weekend rounds of sixty seven, sixty seven. So it actually feels like it could be a decent Danny Willett course, but looking at his record here, withdraw, miss cut. Uh, it, it suggests oh, it worries you a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, so it's never um, made it. Texas record's pretty poor as well. Yeah, so I don't, I don't love an awful lot in this field. I think the, the ones that I've made, mm-hmm. um, the first two I absolutely love. Um, yeah, you know, in Joel Damon and Will Gordon, I am going to add Jason Day in um, because I do feel like. I'd be missing out if I didn't back someone that we've been yeah, on board. Especially you've been on him in recent weeks as well. Yeah, like I just I just feel like it's worth sticking with him. So, um, I think that just about does it. I don't think we need to talk about other people no. we're not betting. Um, no, I think that's it. So we'll go to the Ned Bank. Um, let me just bring up my little list of. Let's have a look uh, at it. Just get the odds up. Um, but to me, Thomas Dietrich, fourteen to one, absolutely fine. Um, you know, yes, would I like bigger? Of course, I would especially for someone that hasn't won yet, but you're not going to get it. Uh, Gavin Green, you can get 50 to 1, 45 to 1, depending on the places that you want to take. Uh, Calais Samoya, 200 to 1, and I am going to add in uh, Oliver Becker there at 60 to 1 mm, with 6 places. I'm glad you are. Um, Brad, your picks for... I've Becker. gone for Bobby Mac, Robert McIntyre, 20 to 1, and that's Sky Bet, 6 places, it's still there. Um, Tristan Lawrence... 40 to 1 is the best you can get about him now. 
and I've gone for Ashan Wu. Uh, 90 to 1, eight places in the Betfred alternate market. It's the best See, price. I'd be happy for you with Ashan Wu. I'd be really angry at myself because he's a guy that I really do like. like I think I've probably talked about him more than any other person on, on golf betting podcasts for some strange reason. <laughs> I think I think it's just that one that like he feels because he's won four times and he's always decently priced. You feel like you're being smart, um, yeah. so that's why I always like. He's always at good prices as well. He is. He is. Um, Houston Open. Jason Day for me, twenty-five to one. Um, Joel Damon, forty to one. Will Gordon, fifty-five to one, and Luke List at a hundred to one. Uh, Brad, your picks for the Houston Open. I've gone for Jason Day, which is 25 to 1 now. Uh, Davis Riley, 40 to 1. And Davis Thompson, 90 to 1. Yeah. And uh, just, just to kind of give us uh, give a brief outline of the messages we had with Jason, who's obviously not on the podcast tonight. Uh, he was talking about doubling up Tommy Fleetwood and Jordan Smith with Sam Burns and Tony Finau. So obviously, likes a favourite in both events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also looks at top 10s and top 20s for Yannick Paul and Marcel Schneider in the Ned Bank. So um, nothing too outlandish from Jason this week, but I think mm-hmm. he's just keen on, on the favourites, which makes a ton of sense. Does like yeah, to yeah. Perez there as well, I think, um, mm-hmm. at the Ned Bank. So some picks there for Jason as well. Um, Brad, I think that's everything. I think we're, we're on mm. to is it RSM next week. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. RSM and the DP World Tour. So... Um, Big events next week um, and ones to look forward to. So thank you as ever, mate, and uh, we'll catch up in a week.